I find that in, uh, in life, as Greek hits, <clears throat> we need some stabilizing forces in our life, don't we? And uh, appreciated our brother's prayer earlier. We're thankful that our name is written in glory even when nothing else is going well, something along those lines. I actually thought that was funny because he just came out of my Greek class. I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> Sorry to embarrass you, Matt, there. But uh, <clears throat> it's good to see the perspective of the student body uh, even come out in their prayers. Um, I've got a burden on my heart here for this morning. If you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I want to talk, at least use a familiar story as a springboard uh, for a, I trust will be a further discussion about a truth that you've been learning about recently, a truth that some of you have been learning about a lot um, over the last several years, Lord willing, here at BCM through the Generation and uh, the V Generation Youth Summit. Um, we're looking at a particular story here that, again, we heard just recently. And uh, I want to ask a question that I don't know that we always ask when we think about this story, when we think about this truth. Um, look uh, with me at verse 28 of Matthew chapter 14. This is a very, very familiar story. This is the story of Peter walking on the water. Don't check out, please. Okay? I know we just heard about this last week. And I know that some of you last week stepped out of the boat. You took a step of total surrender and total dependence. You identify with Peter in that you, you walked on the water, but you also identify with Peter with what happened afterwards. And I want to talk a little bit about this. Verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he, Jesus, said, Come. And we heard Dr. Jim explain very well. Jesus revealed his will with a single word. And when he revealed his will, he, he revealed not only what he wanted Peter to do, but what he was calling Peter to do uh, was impossible. And if he was calling Peter to do something that was impossible, he, Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, was able to enable him to do that which was impossible. Verse 29, after the word come, it says, And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, verse 30, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Here in this story, we focus again many times on the fact that Paul, uh, Peter stepped out of the boat in surrender to the will of Jesus. He stepped out of the boat in dependence not on his own strength or his own ability, but in dependence upon Jesus and his supernatural ability to enable him to do what he could never do in his own strength. And I think we all praise the Lord at the example of Peter and how he stepped on that water and because of the power of Jesus, he walked on the water. And I know that when we heard the sermon, we heard the point, you know, I know some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, but I'm just going to sink. And when he sank... Jesus was his personal lifeguard, and as he cried out that simple prayer, Lord, save me, Jesus took a hold of his hand, lifted him back up, and they both walked on the water back to the boat again. But let me ask you a question. Has it ever bothered you 
that Peter sank it all. Has it ever bothered you that though he walked on the water, after a few moments he was sinking in the water? Has that ever bothered you before about that story? In fact, let me ask you, have you ever experienced that before in you stepping out of the boat? Let me put it to you this way. Peter walked on water because he understood and lived 0-100. However, 0-100 is only as good for as long as it lasts because 0-100 doesn't change who you are. It accesses who God is. Peter's water walking only lasted for a short time because his 0-100 only lasted for a short time. God, however, wanted him to the walk on the water for the rest of his life. So I've got a question for you. What must happen? Okay, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Here in this passage, in verse 31, Jesus diagnosed the problem. Jesus talked to Peter and essentially told him why he sank. And I don't believe that Jesus told Peter why he sank because he was thinking, this is just going to happen to you every day of your life, Peter. I don't think he told him why he sank because this is some inevitable thing that has to happen to us every day. I think he told him why he sank because he wanted Peter to learn from it and learn not only how to, and you understand I'm speaking in a metaphor here, how to walk on the water every once in a while. He wanted him to learn how to walk on the water all day, every day, in every class, in every ministry opportunity, in every trial, in every circumstance of life. Jesus specifically said that his problem was, oh, thou of little faith, little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? The idea of the word little, this is from the word aligas, it's aligapistas, for those of you Greek students. And the idea of this word, again, there's a couple of different uh, ways that you can understand this word. I've heard many preachers explain it this way, and I do think this is part of what he was talking about. The idea of the word oligos is not just a little in the sense of tiny, but a little in the sense of duration. That's not the only idea of that word. It can just have the idea of little or tiny. But when you look at this story, I think we can all say that Peter exercised faith. Did he not? Was it fake faith? No, it was real faith as evidenced by the fact that he walked on the water, right? The problem was not the size of his faith. The problem was the length of it. Do you see that? You see, he lived 0-100, and that 0-100 was real. That 0-100 resulted in a miracle. But that 0-100 didn't last long enough, Right? Okay, you following me? So here, a question I've got to ask you, what needs to happen in order to turn our little faith into faith that turns the world upside down? Listen, every one of you I know have had experiences over the last weeks and the last years where you've stepped out of the boat and you've seen God do a miracle. Some of you, it was in soul winning. Some of you, it was in netcasters. 
I can think of some of you here in this room. You led your first soul to Christ to netcasters. Maybe you led multiple souls to Jesus Christ to netcasters. And I'll tell you why that miracle happened. That miracle happened because you stepped out of the boat. You yielded to the will of God. You surrendered to do what God wanted you to do. And you depended upon the Lord to do it. And when you did that, you walked on water and people got saved and it was a miracle. You genuinely experienced and lived 0-100. So why aren't people still getting saved through your life? Why haven't you taken those people that got saved and seen them discipled? I believe it's because we have little faith. We have this short-lived faith. What's the solution? I'm going to tell you here the solution is going to kind of lead into my proposition and my title here. The solution is what I'm going to call gritty faith. What is gritty faith? Faith is faith that believes God for the long haul. It's faith that doesn't flinch when things don't go as you expected. It's faith that anticipates the battle and is ready to fight. You see, gritty faith is 0-100 every moment of every day, in every circumstance, for the rest of your life. That's what gritty faith is. I recently, uh, my wife put me on to a TED talk uh, about a woman. Uh, her name is Angela Duckworth, and she gave a brief talk on something called grit. I want to read to you a definition that she gave, because I thought this definition was helpful. She's not coming at this from a Christian perspective, but she said, grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is stamina. Grit is sticking with your future day in, day out, not just for the week or the month, but for years, and working very hard to make that future a reality. Grit is living life like it is a marathon and not a sprint. Now, now here's what I've been grappling with, because I'm sure pastors heard many people in many sermons, and you've probably heard many sermons where people say, that, you know, you need to learn endurance and therefore you just need to buck up and keep on going. You know, the whole keep on, keeping on mentality. Can I make this very clear right now? That is not what I'm talking about. I react as I think you do to the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try harder. Can I say that is not zero, 100? Right? Okay. I'm not talking about you or me putting on our big boy pants and trying harder, or skirts, as the case may be. <laughs> big girl skirts, okay? Um, that's not what I'm talking about, but I do think that sometimes in this atmosphere of 0-100, we can so react, we can so um, uh, try to step away from the just keep going mentality that we recognize as fleshly and self-dependent and we can go to the other side and we can live merely in the realm of the crisis. Okay, in other words, here's what I mean. Um, <clears throat> we have a V-Generation Youth Summit or a Victory Conference or some event 
Whether that's a big event that the church is having or it's a big event in your life like netcasters where you're forced to do something. It's the missions trip mentality where we've got this big thing in front of us and it looms, right? And it scares us and we lay awake at night ah, because we're thinking of this thing that we're supposed to be doing and you know how much you can't do it and, and you basically either say either I'm going to go home and chick out and not chicken out and not do this thing at all or I'm going to step out of the boat and depend upon God, right? And God's going to have to do it and we get desperate, we get dependent, we surrender to the will of God and God delivers us. Okay, so we have, I believe, at BCM become experts at the crisis. I don't know why everybody laughed at that. <clears throat> but life is not all crises. There's a lot about life um, that somewhat drags on, right? There's a lot about life that isn't the big moment and the big event where we just kind of push in our dependence. You understand what I mean by that? Where we, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You felt those things, those groanings of dependence in our heart, that reaching forth, God, you've got to do this, the stepping out of the boat, just, okay, we're good at the moments, okay. But what happens is when the stepping out of the boat moments drift by, we find ourselves in day in and day out life, right? And day in and day out life has genuine challenges, does it not? One of them being Greek 201, sorry, okay? There are the challenges of the, these long-term challenges that show up in our life. They are not the crises, though they have moments of crisis. Are you following me? Stay awake here. I got a burden that'll change your life, okay? Um, there are, it's not the big events, it's not the huge challenges that we all, um, you know, hold our breath and step out of the boat together in. These are the day in and day out challenges which are just as important as the major crises. And I want you to know that just like you do 0-100 in the crises. God wants you to learn what it means to live 0-100s in the day-by-day -day plodding of life. God wants you to learn what 0-100 means to the grind. God wants you to learn what 0-100 means to your classwork that just seems relentless and never stops. God wants you to learn 0-100 when it comes to the trial that doesn't seem to let up. He wants you to learn 0-100 to the things that don't look like they're ever going to change. God wants you to learn 0-100, not just for the big flashy step out of the boat moments, but for the day-by-day -day needs where you have to walk on water every single day. Um, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to be jumping around from a number of passages here. This is a little bit more of a topical message, a little bit more of a burden here. Galatians chapter 6, I, I think sometimes, as I mentioned before, we react to the pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on keeping on mentality, and we view it as we rightly should as flesh, as dependence on self. But I think sometimes when we consider the passages that folks would use to give that perspective, I think sometimes if we're not careful, 
we diminish the importance of those passages in light of the step out of the boat passages. You know what I'm talking about? So if you go with me to Galatians chapter 6, I want to give you a point here. Galatians chapter 6 and uh, verse 7, starting in verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'm sure we've all heard sermons and maybe even preached some. The negative side of this, if you um, do actions or deeds of destruction in your life, if you sow to your flesh, don't be surprised that down the road you will reap destruction because of the choices that you made earlier. The law of sowing and reaping. Verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I think sometimes we look at these verses and we think it's focused on the negative, right? It's focused on don't you sow those seeds to the flesh because if you do, it's going to come back and bite you. And that's how we view these verses. And I do think that's definitely part of the point of what Paul is making here in these verses. But if you notice verse 9, and this is the verse I really want to focus on, that's not his major point. He says in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, i got a question for you. <clears throat> He's not just talking about gritting your teeth and doing right over and over and over, day after day after day in the strength of your flesh, right? Can I put it to you in this light? When he talks about well-doing, when he talks about sowing to the Spirit, when he talks about not fainting, can you think about that in terms of 0-100? Surrendering to the will of God, depending on His power to do what you could never do in your own strength. Did you know that there are sometimes we can get tired of 0-100? Do you know that? You know, here we are, and again, the big conference comes, right? And we all come out of that with our decisions that we wrote on the 0-100 challenge. I'm going to step out of the boat, by you fill in the blank, and you did fill in the blank, right, on the card. <laughs> and... Um, you come out of that, and there's the one thing that you know you need to do, but then, guess what? That's not the only boat God wants you to step out of, right? There's the boat of spending your time wisely and depending upon Jesus to help you do well in Greek class. Right? That's a boat you've got to step out of. It doesn't seem as big of a crisis, though for some of you it's a pretty big crisis right now. There's the boat of going out, soul winning, and believing God every week. There's the boat you need to get out of, of depending upon God to provide for your school bill by working a job. There are the boats of investing in your music students, right? And actually digging into their lives and not just being satisfied just to communicate the lesson material, but actually to engage them spiritually. That's a step out of the boat moment too, isn't it? But sometimes, you know, we do it for a bit, right? We do it for a bit and, all right, you know, we, we get desperate with God in prayer in the morning. How do you want me to connect with my Sunday school class here today? And Lord, what do you want me to do out in the harvest fields? And Lord, how do you, you know, what do you want me to do at work? God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. And God leads you to steps of impossibilities and, and you take those steps and, and God is delivering. But if we're all honest, we get tired of it after a while. And we want some time for me. 
And we want to just hang out in the boat, play on our phones. I do something that doesn't seem so world-changing. And we get this mentality where we get weary of the constant pressure of 0-100. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Listen, can I tell you, this is my first point, be wary of weariness. Be wary of weariness. It's like this, God wants to deliver in your life. And I recognize that in us, there is kind of this unique, nuanced temptation to not want the stress of stepping out of the boat. We can't wait till Christmas break comes along because then we can just vegetate at home. You know, we can't wait till this one big event is over and we've got that one week in the nine-week block where there isn't a gigantic event happening at Falls Baptist Church. <laughs> and we look forward to that because that's a week we don't have to walk on water because we're tired of it. We're weary of it. Can I tell you that's not zero, 100, and that's not gritty faith? Because you see, gritty faith recognize that there is a long-term, durative, everyday aspect to zero, 100 that must be lived out in your life. You know, when you're not living zero, 100, you're not sowing to the Spirit. And when you're not living zero, 100 and sowing to the Spirit, you know what you're sowing to? And I'm telling you right now, some of you are reaping what you sowed in first-year Greek. Can I preach to the first-year Greek students for just a minute? Sow the seeds this year. And, and listen, this is 0-100 just as much as going out and winning people to Jesus Christ is 0-100. This is preparation for your future ministry. And I think sometimes we compartmentalize our classes and we view it as somehow sub-class, uh, sub substandard, sub-something to the rest of life and ministry. And we look forward to one day standing behind a pulpit and preaching the Word of God, but we do not value the fact that one day before we stand behind that pulpit and we preach the Word of God, we've got to get in our study and understand the Word of God. And I want you to know just as much as you need God to show up on the doorstep, you need God to show up in the Learn to Read New Testament Greek book. You need God in those, in those step out of the boat moments. Don't diminish your studies and your classes. Don't diminish the sharpening of your own saw. Don't diminish the fact that you need to grow and you need to believe God to get a better grade than you've been getting. You need to believe God for these long-term ministry relationships that you have with your students. You need to believe God for them, not just in the crisis, when your degree-focused uh, leader says, How's it going? But in the day by day, moment by moment, week in, week out, month in, month out, life. Listen, you need to be wary of weariness because weariness and a tiredness of living 0-100 is just an excuse to live in the flesh. Turn over to James chapter 1.
want to give another aspect here of instruction regarding gritty faith. See, one of the downfalls, one of the indicators that we are not living gritty faith is that we're weary. Okay, we're weary, right? But another indicator of gritty faith is that we don't understand what God is doing sometimes in our lives. That's not my point. I'll give the point in just a second. James chapter 1, verse 2. Here, Scripture says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Here, um, James is speaking to these believers, and he says to them, hey, listen, I want you to know there are going to be some times in your life when things don't go like you think they ought to go. Ever had that happen to you? Sorry for ragging on my Greek class, but y'all had that happen. Some of you had that happen this morning, Okay. I need to stop that. <clears throat> We've all had situations where in our lives we're believing God for something, right? Some great deliverance that we need. Sometimes these situations come out of left field and they smack us right between the eyes. And we're looking at a situation and thinking, where is God in this? And James says you need to rejoice. You need to have the faith perspective on this because you need to recognize that God is trying, he's testing your faith, and this is working patience. Patience is a word that we don't want. It's a word that we don't like. Patience is the durative aspect of faith. Can I say it? Patience is another word for gritty faith. Zero, 100, for the long haul. He says in verse 4, here's what you need to do. Let this durative aspect of your faith, let that durative uh, virtue here have her perfect work that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And here, basically, what we want in life is we want zero, 100, and we want it now, and we view zero, 100 as microwave faith. Right? You know, you got two ways you can cook a hot dog. Well, probably more than that. Several ways you can cook a hot dog. Boil it in a pot. That takes some time. And they're all limp and squishy. <laughs> can fry it on a grill, right? Or grill it on a grill, and, you know, that normally gets burned. And you can put it in a microwave. And it takes a whole lot less time, but it's just rubbery. It's nasty. They're nasty anyway. It just makes it nastier, right? <laughs> And I think sometimes we can view 0-100 as the shortcut for everything. And we think, hey, listen, there's somebody out there, let me step out of the boat, and they're going to get saved today. Now, listen, I'm, I'm going to give lots of qualifying statements here because I don't want to undercut the truth of 0-100. But I think sometimes we think, okay, I've got to get desperate and I've got to yield to the will of God and step out of the boat and automatically every single time, today the breakthrough is going to happen. But I think experience and more importantly, the Bible has taught us, that's not always how it works, is it? It's not always how it works. You see, sometimes faith is more like a crock pot than a microwave. The power needs to be on, but it's not going to be ready in 60 seconds. Okay? 
And what happens is when we believe God for something and then it doesn't happen the way we were expecting it to happen, we sink. We stop living 0-100. We stop surrendering. We stop depending. And we get weary. Listen, there have been so many times in my life, and again, I could tell stories all morning long, but I've got a time limit here this morning. But I think of one story in particular, or really it's a set of stories here, and my personal pilgrimage in this matter um, <clears throat> was early in 2010, uh, probably, actually probably around the summertime, and uh, my wife found out that she was expecting. And uh, we had lost two or three babies very early before then, and she took a particular herbal supplement of some sort that was supposed to keep the baby there and keep the baby alive and surviving, and she took that herbal supplement, and the baby actually did survive and went past when all the other babies had gone in the pregnancy, and we came up here to Wisconsin, and we went to, uh, um, uh, we went to the OB-GYN for a visit to the doctor, and uh, there they did a uh, ultrasound, and when they did the ultrasound, we saw just uh, two little flecks in the brain, two little dark spots in the head. And the doctor said, this might not be a problem, but just so you know, it might be. Come back in a couple weeks, we'll take a look at it again. We came back in a couple weeks, and we were obviously distraught, but we thought, hey, everything will be fine. We came back in a couple of weeks, and the spots had grown bigger. And the doctor said, this is bad news, we're gonna send you to a specialist. They sent us to a specialist, and the doctor basically gave a medical term for what our little girl had, and um, essentially what they said is that our little girl was going to die and they recommended that we terminate the pregnancy. I think you all are on the same page with me. That wasn't an option for us. The doctor says if you choose not to terminate the pregnancy, you need to come in regularly to be uh, monitored for preeclampsia, uh, which is a condition that mothers can have uh, where the blood pressure spikes and it can really be a threat to the mother's health and we said, We'll put this in the hands of God, and we came back. Well, in the meantime, uh, we're praying because you know what? We may not have heard the term 0100 at that time in our lives, but we knew that if we would surrender to the will of God and to pray and depend upon his power, God could do a miracle. I remember God brought me uh, to the story of David and how David had sinned, and his, uh, uh, he had a child that God said was going to die because of his sin. You know the story? And David, as that child was dying, David got alone with God. And David prayed and sought God's face. And then you know the story, the baby died. And the servants were outside of the room and they basically said, should we tell him? I don't know, he's so upset right now. I don't know what he'd do if he found out the baby died. And David stands up and said, is the baby dead? And they said, yes, the baby's dead. David went and got a shower, got cleaned up. And he went to the, he, he went to eat, he wanted to eat some food. He was hungry. And his servants were like, what in the world's going on? And David basically said, hey, listen, while the baby was alive, I thought maybe God be merciful. Maybe God could deliver. Maybe God could change his mind. Maybe God in his mercy, because I know my God is loving. Maybe God, because I know my God is merciful. Maybe God would deliver the child. But now that he's dead, now that the baby is dead, he can't come to me, but I'll go to him. And I can't tell you how encouraging that passage was to me, but also challenging, because here's the thing. God never rebuked David for praying and for seeking his face. I think God was honored 
by him asking for deliverance for that child, even though it looked impossible. And I remember thinking, God didn't say this baby was going to die. Only a doctor did. And so my wife and I, we prayed. We sought God's face. We believed God. And I'll be honest with you. I thought, I thought God was going to answer in the way that I wanted. But in um, October, early October, during a, a special, a musical special on Sunday morning, our little girl did somersaults in my wife's uh, womb. And uh, the next day when she went to the doctor, they checked for a heartbeat. There was no heartbeat. And our little girl died. We went into the hospital on October 10th of 2010 and delivered a dead baby. I'll be honest with you, that was a crisis of faith in my heart and in my life because I believed God for something, but it didn't happen the way I was hoping it would happen. And I had a choice. Was I going to stop believing? Was I going to give up believing God and praying with expectation ever again? Or was I going to stubbornly choose to believe God anyway? And I'll tell you what God did in my heart. God, God did a deep work in my heart. And I remember as a result of that deep and dark trial, I remember coming out on the other side saying, God, I don't care if you never answer one of my prayers ever again. I'm going to believe you because you are worthy of being believed. And you know what ended up happening? You would look at something like that and think that must have destroyed your faith. No, it strengthened my faith. Because I don't look to the circumstances. I look to God. I don't sit there insecurely wondering and hoping if God's going to do what I ask. I know that God is good and God is all powerful and I can surrender to him. Again, there's a tension truths in all of these things. There are, you got to grab a hold of both sides of the equation here. And I'm not going to get into all of that except to say you need to be prepared for perfecting. What I mean by that is this. You need to be weary, uh, wary of weariness, but you also need to be prepared for God to perfect your faith. And see, in the day-in, day-out grind of life, there are going to be so many times when things don't go the way that you thought they were going to go or should go, and you have got to be willing to get on your face and believe God anyway, because the only way that you can learn enduring faith is for your faith to endure. The only way you can learn 0-100 in the face of impossibilities is to endure some impossibilities. I got one more point that I want to give here. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse number 1 is 0-100. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Verse number two is the Great Commission. 
And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We love verse 1 and we love verse 2, right? Those are core to who we are at Baptist College of Ministry, right? You need God's strength. Yield to His will. Depend on His power. Take God's strength. Why? So that you can take what God has given you and transmit it to the next generation so you can pass the baton. We don't like verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Some of you in this room have never been forced to do something you didn't like. And when you find yourself face to face, now please don't think I'm contradicting Dr. Jim by saying this. When you're face to face with hard things like Greek, like trials, like ministry opportunities that take you way outside of your comfort zone, you don't like it. And let me tell you, if you, in your mind, if your picture of the Christian life and 0-100 is easy street, you got another thing coming to you. Now, granted, I'm not saying that the Christian life is hard in the sense that you need to try harder. That is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, it is uncomfortable sometimes. You are presented with things that you won't like. God may well ask you to do things that you can't see yourself doing, that you don't want to do. And part of 0100, part of fulfilling the Great Commission is recognizing that your faith needs to have grit to be able to believe God even when there is difficulty. <clears throat> um, I don't have time for stories, but I just want you to understand, those of you that have traveled with me, you've seen some difficulty in our ministry, haven't you, even this summer? There have been moments and times, again, I'm, I'm not going to tell all the stories of the trailer and things flying off the trailers and legs getting stuck and different things like that, but there is difficulty in ministry. I'm not going to stand up here and be one of those woe is me, things are hard, things are rough kind of preachers, but I think on the other side of things, you've got to recognize that there are times in life and in ministry when you find yourself facing a brick wall or something jumps out of left field that you weren't expecting and things get challenging and here's the choice the choice is not do I try harder the choice is will I continue to believe God will I continue to surrender to him will I continue to depend on him to do a miracle and this thing that's lasting way longer than I think it should last and it's that durative nature of your faith that can operate in times that are not just the crises. See, some of you, you need to step out of the boat in your schoolwork because you're behind. You're not only behind, you've got a bad attitude about it. And you're giving up and you're throwing up your hands and you're saying, so-and-so may be able to do this, but I can't. Do you see how unbelieving that is? You know, some of you, you might be flying high as long as you're getting good grades, but when that one test hits and your grade hits the fan, uh, why 
even try. Listen, gritty faith is the faith that says, you know what, I don't care how much I got toasted in that last test. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to step out of the boat and study. I'm going to step out of the boat and I'm going to invest in that person. No matter how many times that disciple doesn't answer your calls or answer the door, I'm going to keep going back and believing God and surrendering to him and depending on his power to do a miracle. I don't have to see an answer today, but I do have to surrender to God and I do have to depend on his power and believe him to deliver in this situation. Listen, some of your faith is weak. It's little. It's short-lived. It's microwave faith. But what God is calling us to, especially at this time in the nine-week block, is to learn how to have gritty faith. Let's bow for prayer. And what I want to do here this morning is if God is working in your heart in a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And the invitation is going to be simple. I know many of you are grappling with things right now, whether they're classes, trials at home, maybe even physical trials, and things that just don't seem like they're going to let up, and you've allowed yourself to get discouraged, and God doesn't want you to be discouraged. God wants you stepping out of the boat and depending upon Him every moment of every day. You've been weary. You've been backing off and sowing to the flesh. And in a moment, my invitation is going to simply be this. If you say, Brother Bosler, I want God to teach me gritty faith. I want God to teach me gritty faith, and I am willing to surrender to Him and depend on Him no matter how long it takes, no matter how hard it is. Why don't we all go ahead and stand, and as the piano plays, if that's your heart, you come and talk to God about it now.